Welcome. You've tuned into Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I am Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. We've got a special show for you today on one of Michael's favorite topics. (laughs) (laughs) He likes everything, almost. (laughs) But this episode, number 39, is on lessons learned from dying. That's a loaded topic, especially considering that Michaels technically died five times and returned to talk about it, happier than ever, believe it or not. And (laughs) I've also had what's most commonly referred to as an NDE or near-death experience myself. Plus, every time Michael ventured out into the limitlessness of spirit, while his physical heart stopped beating and after he came back, I've had a lot to learn to deal with my husband and my everything-in-life partner coming and going. Naturally, we don't have any control over when someone else is going to make his exit or her exit from this world. That's entirely between the soul and its maker. But it can be especially difficult when the person who dies or is in the dying process is your life partner, spiritual partner, business partner, best friend. Of course, it gets even more complicated when he dies and then doesn't stay dead and comes back, (laughs) not once but several times. I'm back, dear, honey. (laughs) But I have to say I'm glad he comes back. I I am. Um, That's... It may be complicated, but it's worth everything that we have both gone through, and hopefully you'll learn more about that in this show. Michael's been interviewed on other radio and TV shows many times since he started having these dying and returning episodes, and we've both been been interviewed on several of them as well together. But unlike someone who has had one near-death experience, when you've had five of them, you can barely cover one of them in an hour, even just on the physical aspects leading up to the death, and a little bit about what you experienced on the so-called other side, or heaven, as I like to call it. In fact, I don't think Michael even got to talk about all five events in one single show. Even in a couple of the two-hour shows he was on, and one three-hour show that we were both on, we barely started talking about the really important part. What did we each learn from our experiences? Fortunately, he's writing a whole book on it that has his working title of Three Deaths and No Funeral, Lessons on Living the Miracle. I love the bit of amusement that he has in that title. But I've been I've been dying to write this book. Oh God! <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can laugh about dying. Yes, you can. But why only three deaths instead of the five deaths that he's had in his title? Well, he came up with that title after he had his third near-death experience. 
When he had two more after that, he would, of course, write about those experiences in the book, but he felt that he wouldn't count those last two times in the title since he was brought back to the body before he made his complete transition by being zapped internally by the ICD device that the doctors implanted in his chest for that very purpose. He said that he wasn't dead quite long enough to count for the title <laughs> of that book. That Again, this is a, a working uh, title uh, book, not one that's already published. Besides, as the saying goes, the third time's the charm. Of course, those last two times, if that little device hadn't done its job, Michael wouldn't be here today. He affectionately calls the ICD, or otherwise known as the implanted cardioverter device, buried in his chest his, quote-unquote, paramedics in a box. Hardy har har. <laughs> we really appreciate those little electrical paramedics there. So today on this show, we're going to focus on a few of the lessons that he's learned and that I've learned from the various near-death experiences that we've had. There's a lot to learn while we are going through what precedes our death or during our dying process, while we are so-called dead here and in spirit or heaven. While we are going through the often longer period of time, it takes us to fully return here. The same holds true for anyone who is with the person who goes through this dying process just as much. And I know there is always someone in within our scope of life who has someone close to them dying, especially with thousands of friends on Facebook. <laughs> and not only are there parents or friends or children, uh, even their pets. You know, it, it just really is amazing how many announcements people make every day. Yeah. Even in, amongst a group of, let's say, 2,000 friends on Facebook. Well, it's in my experience, it's often much more difficult for the person who is close to the person who is dying or has died, whether that person returns here or not. The person who dies is done here in this world, at least for the time being, and can go on, whereas the person who is with that dying person has to go through that dying process for himself or herself, but still retains the body and commitment to be here in this world. Especially a partner who is there to help the dying person in some way has double or triple duty all of a sudden. The dying person just has to let go and Go on. The so-called living person has to let go just as much, but stay and take care of everything here in this world as well. Each time I went, I wasn't even looking back here <laughs> at all. I'm like, I'm out of here. Whee! <laughs> I've said this many times, but in spirit, there is no time, so everything just is. There isn't a neat linear sequence of events in which one thing happens after another in a logical, orderly fashion that satisfies our intellectual mind. So when we learn a profound lesson in life, we're drawing from all kinds of experiences that we've had 
over a period of time, and at one point in time here in our earthly incarnation, we'll start to connect the dots and begin to understand our life from a much broader perspective. That, in fact, is one of the lessons from dying and then returning to this world of time and space and linear sequence of events unfolding continuously. Everything just is in spirit until we return here into this world. Then we start to process all that is into a linear sequence of events and thoughts and feelings so we can learn and communicate about it. But let's start with your near-death experience, Raphael, with a focus on what you learned from that experience. What did you learn right up to that point where you ended up dying and finding yourself on the other side in spirit? And what did you learn from your experience while you were only in spirit and not here? And then finally, what did you learn since that experience as a result of having had that experience of dying and then returning here to live in the physical world again. Well, I have talked about bits and pieces of this in other shows, but um, I had my near-death experience somewhere around 25 years ago. I didn't keep a diary at the time, so I don't know exactly when it was, somewhere around 1994 or so. And it was while we were on the island of Kauai, And we had just arrived, um, and it was a beautiful day when we got there. And most of the restaurants were closed, so we went to a so-called health food store to get a sandwich because we were hungry. And uh, the stores weren't closed. The restaurants were closed. So we were looking for some food because of the uh, inconvenience of no restaurants. Uh, We ended up at the health food store. And I ordered a sandwich which had mayonnaise and Uh, sprouts sprouts on it and I'm pretty sure it was the sprouts that did it I got halfway through that sandwich and I looked at Michael and said something is majorly wrong with this sandwich and within a few hours I was so ill I was doubled over I went to bed I was in bed for three days well in and out of bed because of uh, the results of this food poisoning and the mistake I made one of the things I learned is if I get that sick I go to a hospital (laughs) I had my near-death experience at home. Um, On the third day, I actually thought I was feeling better. But in order to go from the bed to the living room, which we were in a very small condo, I had to crawl on the floor because I couldn't even stand. So that should have been a hint for me. But um, I decided to sleep in the living room. And Michael, feeling better from a problem he had had, and the reason why we were actually in Kauai, decided to go swim with the the turtles. And so I was by myself and I went to sleep and I don't know how long I was asleep, but all of a sudden I found myself on the threshold. And the funny thing is here is the threshold is the place you go before you cross over, but you're at that edge and you, you as a soul, me as a soul, and I know all of you when it is, when it is your time You will know this place. I knew it the second I got there. Oh, I'm about to die. 
Isn't that interesting? It wasn't scared. I wasn't scared about it. I didn't, because I was out of my body, there was no body issues in relationship to it. There was a being there that I recognized as my life guide. It was the first time I actually saw him kind of in person, although I had seen him many, many times in um, in my meditations and so on. I call him a he, but he was actually very sort of gender-free. He was like an angel without wings. And so anyway, I'm standing there, and he said to me, you can either go over or you can go back. I have something to tell you, he says. He says, "Um, you are completely done with what you came to do this lifetime. You did a good job, and you have the freedom to go over if you like. And the sense, well, the experience I had was I was in complete and full neutrality. I didn't feel anything against it. I didn't feel anything for it. I just stood there. There was really no sense of even wanting to make a decision. So I'm just standing there and I'm looking at all these people I know that are on the other side. And there were thousands of them and I knew every single one of them and all their faces and I'm not very good with faces, but out of the body, apparently I am. And he said to me, um, well, how about this spiritual teaching? Well, what he actually said was, how about this healing center you and your husband were planning on creating? And uh, I found myself blam back yeah. into my body. That was me slapping my knee, but that's what it felt like into my through my head and down and down into my body and as I came into the body I experienced that my heart had stopped and I felt it go and it started up again and I also felt the area on the left side of my body that I came back in through so I knew I had died for a few minutes and um, I was still feeling kind of not very well And I heard someone whisper in my ear, eat a banana. And basically, I knew we had a half of a banana in the kitchen and I crawled over. I got off the couch and crawled over there because I couldn't stand still. And I ate that half banana and and from there recovered. And there's a lot more to this story, but I'm going to um, talk about the process, some of the questions Michael asked and one is, what did you learn right up to the point where you ended up dying and finding myself on the other side in spirit? Well, I learned that we don't ha- carry the intensive emotions and everything of our life with us when we're about to pass over. We carry our joy. We par- carry our ability to, to have a perspective about things. And it appears that... Um, We will be coming right up on a break so I can finish my part of this story after the break. So meanwhile, I have to make an announcement. This Saturday, October 27th from 10 a.m. to 12 noon Pacific time, we will be giving our teleclass on varieties of -of out-of-body experiences, uh, different ones than what I'm talking about today. What a perfect follow-up to our show. After all, what we call death is an out-of-body experience for the soul in which It usually doesn't come back to the same body afterwards. And that's the importance of learning about who you are and what you experience when you are out of your body consciousness. 
before you make your exit from this world at the end of your incarnation. We hope you can join us for the teleclass. Details and sign-ups are on our website, events calendar section, michaeltamora.com, or you can call our office during normal business hour, Pacific time, Monday to Friday, and sign up. Our office phone number is 530-926-2650. When we return in a couple of minutes, we'll continue with Lessons Learned from Dying. Be right back. your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com The White House doctor makes house calls. Listen every week for House Calls with Dr. Connie Mariano. Dr. Connie has served as the White House physician under three U.S. presidents. Now she joins the Voice America Empowerment Channel to help you enrich yourself physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Our guests will include professionals from a variety of fields who will bring you tips that you can apply to your own life. Listen for House Calls with Dr. Connie every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For so many years, adults and teens have experienced a breakdown in communication. It doesn't have to be like this. Listen for Tools for Teen Transformation with Lily Williams. Coach Lily and her guest will tackle subjects like bullying, self-esteem issues, teen pregnancy, substance abuse, and more. It's all about getting teens and the adults in their lives to think differently. You could save a teen's life. Tune in every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Eastern and 7 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We all have the inner ability to use the gifts within ourselves to serve ourselves, our families, loved ones, and our communities. Once you have discovered these gifts and talents, you can promote harmony, peace, and hope. To find out how to harness your own gifts and talents, tune in to Get Ready. Get ready for your breakthrough with host Felicia A. Hill, live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time and 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen and share with others. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back, everyone. Today we're exploring lessons we've learned from dying. And I have the mic this time. Uh, Michael has such an amazing, huge story about his near-death experience, but he wanted me to talk about mine a little bit today. The next question he asked me was, what did I learn from my experience while I was only in spirit and not here? And for those of you that are on the fence about, do we really exist after we pass over? Or do we go, poof, poof, and we don't (laughs) exist anymore? Well, I had, even though I've been working as a spiritual teacher and a psychic all these many years up to this point, I think it was about 15 years or so at that time, 
if I had any little piece of doubt in my mind about being spirit, once the body is gone, that was I was able to let go of that. Because I have all certainty that once our body is done with and goes back to the earth, we as souls carry on. And we carry on as our total selves, who we are, who we know we are. Now, I didn't go as far as many people do in their near-death experiences, but I got enough to experience myself completely and fully conscious out of the body. Now, it's not the first time that it happened, but it was the first time it happened as a near-death experience where I actually, my body stopped for a period of time. So that's one of the things, if you're dealing with somebody who's about to die and you're just kind of losing it over the fact that you think, you know, they might not exist, that's not true. Of course they do. And they have always existed. And uh, we could do a whole show on that, actually, too. Yes, you can't get rid of me. (laughs) So when I came back, it was just a matter of dealing with how ill the body was. And it actually got better really, really fast after that. And there was a cute little part of this experience I want to throw in here, which was when I finally came to, I crawled over, ate my banana, got back in bed, and I waited for Michael to come back from his first swim in the ocean. And he came back with such a marvelous story about a uh, swimming with a turtle that was as big as he was that he he came in all excited and he says, I got to tell you the story. So I thought, okay, I'll let him tell his story. I can't wait to tell him my story, but his story was so beautiful and marvelous. And it was a good healing uh, for him had I passed over. You know, you don't think about the body and, you know, if somebody's going to find you afterwards, how that's going to affect them. So if I had died, he had this wonderful spiritual communing with a big sea turtle. And it took him about 20 minutes to tell the story. It was just lovely. And then I was able to tell him about my near-death experience and how profound that was. So his third question was, and what did you learn since that experience as a result of having the experience of dying and returning? Well, first off, when the, when my life guide told me I, w- I had finished my life mission and that I could go back if I wanted to do more um, and that my karma was done. He actually used those words, your karma, everything you came to do, you're finished with it this lifetime. That didn't mean all the karma I ever carried was done, but what I had on my checklist before I was born got finished. And so when I came back, there's something that happens to everyone who takes a step, whether they are the one dying and coming back, or they're the one who are dying, or a person just going through any kind of dying process, like letting go of a job or letting go of a relationship. It's kind of a dying process. You go through something called a growth period, G-R-O-W-T-H period, and we lovingly call it sometimes a gross period because it sometimes feels kind of gross and awful when you're releasing all the old stuff that you hung on to that kept you in this old place. And it does pass after a time. So what I learned from this is about a week after we returned from Hawaii, I was going back to work and being, you know, doing my normal thing. And I kind of forgot about it. And all of a sudden I started processing this growth period, but I wasn't really being that aware of it because I thought, 
you know, when I came back from Hawaii, I thought I was kind of done with it. Okay, that was an interesting experience, and I'm okay now. Let's get back to life. Well, I did have to go through a growth period, and the way I can uh, explain it is I felt like I was bouncing off the walls. <laughs> I couldn't I couldn't ground. I couldn't really... Uh, it didn't. Things didn't feel normal for a few days. So I finally just called up a friend of mine who's a really wonderful psychic, and in fact, one of my best friends. And I called her up and said, "Something's going on with me, and can you take a look and call me back in 20 minutes?" And she did that for me. And she called back and and she said, "Raphael, did you like die or something in Hawaii? What happened there?" And then she explained to me, you're in the growth period of that near-death experience. I forgot to even tell her about that. But yes, what I did was I made it a point to to ground and run my energy and and meditate and just be quiet for a time to let myself just process all the energy and pictures and things that we go through when we take a huge step. And whether it's deciding to stay for for more years, and that was 25 years ago, and here I am in my mid-60s and still going strong and loving what I do and hoping I can do as much as I can until the day I do actually fully pass over. So I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because, you know, this whole thing with death and dying, it's really about being able to take your steps up, and it's not always about losing the body, but since we're specifically talking about that, Michael, you've had five distinctly different experiences in which your heart stopped functioning for a time, and you were completely out of your body and spirit, and you were conscious in spirit and were able to bring back a good portion of what you experienced there into your body consciousness here. Would you talk about the most important difference from one near-death experience to another among the five times you went over? Let's talk about this. Yeah. Well, because, you know, we rarely ever get to that part (laughs) because people are usually very interested and fascinated by, oh, what was the experience like and, you know, what happened and how did you end up keeling over and all that kind of stuff. But that you can probably get in various interviews I've been in uh, for radio and TV and everything, YouTube, all of that. But um, the, what I consider to be the most important part is what happens. This is what they call the near-death experience is you die. You know, the death is death. It's physical. Um, the heart stops. Functions stop. You're completely not here. <laughs> in this world. But it's called near death because you come back. And so each time I come back from these five different deaths, the experience and everything surrounding it here in this world were completely, completely different. My experience of it was each one was completely different. So the first one and what I learned from it the most important part, each one was different. Okay, it's it's like everything else that we learn. We progress. So I learned more uh, further in the second one, the third, and the fourth, and the fifth one than I did in the earlier ones. So it's a progressive process. Even though you still go to the same no time limitlessness of spirit. 
every time you leave this place. After the first near-death experience, that one, what I learned was, okay, I had a choice to stay in spirit and continue my growth and spiritual work as a spirit guide, which I already am even while I'm here. But to do it full-time, if you will, (laughs) full-timelessness. And then I knew if I chose to come back here, I was entirely, just like similar to what Raphael had in her experience, except I had a, a council of five great beings looking at me, welcoming me over to the other side and saying, okay, you're all done. You've done way more. But because you're done, you're f- free. You can choose to stay in spirit or go back and do some more in the world. And I'm the one who asked them, which would be more benefit to not only myself, but everyone involved. And they all said, if you go back, way more benefit. Okay, great, send me back. So when I came back, the experience after that point, just like Raphael said, it's in coming back is when all the real learning is. Because for me, I've learned amongst all of this, that the true test of learning is demonstration. You have to take whatever you learn in spirit, as spirit, and demonstrate it, apply it, live it here in the world, in the body. Then you can say, you really learned it. It's Otherwise, it's just like intellectual learning. You know, you read something, memorize it, you could spit it back out, and you say, oh, I learned this. No, that's not learning. That's just academic. That's intellectual. The learning for the soul is experience. And the final step is consistent demonstration. Once you learn something, you can do it over and over without even thinking about it. It's part of You're living here. So I came back from that first one, and what I experienced over time, over and over, was, oh, they said it was going to be a complete clean slate when I get back. I don't even have to honor past commitments in the physical, and there would be no karma. I was done with it. But I chose to honor them. I chose to fulfill my commitments I made before that first near-death experience, when I came back, it took two years. But during that time, over and over, I experienced a complete clean slate. It's like being a newborn, except being born into not a baby body, but an adult body. I'd like to add something to this, because in my experience, too, I had a very, very similar thing where it felt really clean. And... See, most of us come here to take care of business and, you know, that karmic thing, incompleted cycles. And so after my near-death experience, very much like what Michael's talking about here, I had that incredible sense of um, I didn't have to do anything. I I wasn't pushed in any particular direction. And the only thing I had to be careful with is not to create new karma. But 
that whole um, clean slate thing, I just wanted to add to that. So coming back, and it's very similar to what Raphael said, clean slate, it's like starting fresh. It's not like starting over. It's starting fresh. Okay. And, and so tremendous amount of freedom. But with that comes another challenge. Oh, what do you do with all this complete new freedom? And kind of like Raphael explained earlier, the growth period, the learning curve is quite huge. Plus the fact that I had to repair and heal my body because it was, you know. His was more complicated than mine. (laughs) I was very ill on a physical level. So then the the learning curve also to live this clean, fresh, new life, new contract, everything. So now I'm starting new, a new contract, new life. So I'm not finished anymore. I'm starting. That's an entirely different experience. Just starting with an older body with problems and stuff, but like a baby, I'm learning new stuff and having to set my new course. And it's not like where I was before, where I'm done, I can leave any time. No, I made my commitment to stick around. Uh, so I can't just be flopping dead. <laughs> and of course, I didn't know at that time that I was going to die four more times. But Oh, we have our second break coming up already. And I will let Michael do most of the talking in the last part. Um, This subject really excites me quite a bit because there's so many people going through a lot of these things. Um, But anyway, if if you don't already have a copy of Michael's profound first book, You Are the Answer, Discovering and Fulfilling Your Soul's Purpose, you can get it through our website, uh, michaeltamora.com or through amazon.com. It'll certainly be worth your while to read it. While you're on our website, check out our brand new set of teleclasses and ongoing series. You might be more psychic than you think, developing your soul abilities for your spiritual growth and fulfillment. The next teleclass, Varieties of Out-of-Body Experiences, will be given this Saturday, October 27th, 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. And this is 2018, of course. When we return, we'll continue our exploration of lessons learned from dying. See you in a couple of minutes. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com We hear, just be you, a lot these days. But who are you? What is an authentic life? The answer to these questions and more will be answered on The Authentic Living Show, hosted by Andrea Matthews. Andrea will interview some of today's spiritual, psychological experts and will provide her own wisdom to help you raise your consciousness to the level of your I am. Listen for Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Heard live every Wednesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Are you frustrated that you can't seem to achieve your goals? Stop struggling and discover your power on Creatrix, creating the life you want 
hosted by Amira Mondin. This show features the world's most intriguing guests, ready to guide you to self-realization using the powerful gift of your own mind. Tune in every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern, 8 a.m. Pacific, right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What makes someone successful in their field? On Transformational Energy Leadership, Dr. Matthew Allen Woolsey speaks to amazing guests who share their ideas, advice, tips, and tricks as to what defines success for them. The result is positive transformation for you. You'll learn that personal energy is the key to make it work, and you'll hear through actual examples how to bring that positive transformation to life. Listen live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Empowerment. Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Great to have you back. We're exploring today about the lessons we've learned from dying and coming back. So, Michael, let's continue our conversation here. Okay. I only got to one, number one. (laughs) But the second one, what's the difference uh, of what I experienced learned from the second death, which was quite more dramatic on the physical level, uh, because I ended up with a heart attack and everything. But after the second near-death experience, before I fully left and, and you know, coming back, all that stuff, I was out of the body with the spiritual masters, about a dozen of them circling me. And during that time, I realized it's, it's communication, spirit to spirit, out of the body, especially with very uh, wise beings, is direct knowing. It's, it's not like you hear a voice. You, you can, but in my experience, in those very profound levels of being out of the body, it's direct knowing. I knew, oh, this is my time. I have to make this important decision. They're, quote, telling me without voice. They're telling me through a knowing transmission. This is your time. You need to make this important decision. But they can't tell me about what. (laughs) I have to figure it out myself. And do you know how difficult that is? <laughs> when your body is on the, on the ground, <laughs> it's not dead yet, but it's going through what I didn't know at the time, a heart attack. And so, <laughs> so I'm up there and I'm going, okay, important. What's the most important thing I can think of in my life? And that's when I knew, oh, it's about life. I said, okay, what about life? Most people think in terms of life or death, but I knew there is no death for me as spirit, only for the body. And the one that has to make the decision is not the body, it's myself, spirit. So, okay, 
What's an important question about life when there's no death? Ah, that's when I realized. I have been living, even with all I've experienced, all I know, I still have been living this life as the incarnation life of birth to death. And I thought, okay, I have to go beyond that. I know life is eternal. So the decision I have to make is about eternal life. And I decided, okay, am I willing to live the eternal life while I'm still here in a body? That's when I realized this is a tough choice because what it meant is I had to live without placing conditions on my life. Oh, I don't feel good enough to do anything today. You know, that's a condition. Or, I don't, oh, this is getting too tough. Let me out of here, God. Take me. I don't, I can't, you know, stand this anymore. Uh, I don't want to live here. And then you leave. Or, it's, this is a mess. You know, I can't just make those kind of conditions anymore. I have to live with whatever and wherever the world is, where anyone else is where I am, where my body is. If I make this choice, I have to commit to living it fully because I'm committing to the eternal life and there's no conditions in eternal life. So I knew when I came back, my lesson's going to be, okay, you got conditions, conditions that you never thought you had. You know, it's not intellectual. It just comes up and you have a reaction to what's going on in life, in your life, in the world, with somebody else, with a loved one, whatever. And you have a reaction and I have to go, oh yeah, it's my reaction is entirely conditional. I'm having a, like a, a temper tantrum, right? Whatever the reaction is, doesn't matter. It could be grief, anger, sadness, you know, guilt, anything. But it's a essentially a temper tantrum of the ego. And I realized, okay, that's uh, a simple lesson, but not so easy to practice, not so easy to live it. So every day since then has become living it day by day. And every time I run into that, sometimes it takes me longer. Sometimes I get there real quickly, Mm -hmm. but I live it. And then the third time, third near-death experience, when I came back, that was the biggest, most, well, physically, I heard there was a lot of drama, but I don't know any of that because I wasn't here. I was out in a flash and in what I call sitting in front of God's eternal flame of love. And it was eternal, right? There's no sense of time. There's no sense of separation. There's no sense of me and you. There isn't. It's just all. And and so then, but I was given, it wasn't a choice anymore, uh, am I coming back or not? No, I'm coming back. So I was given a lot of advanced training in spirit on what I needed to do, how to handle things when I got back this time. So there's no question on the spirit side, I was coming back. Okay. 
So then there's a lot of questions <laughs> on the physical side I heard. But I gave it gave me the opportunity when I'm coming back. The last thing I was given was uh, one of the masters saying, this time you're not going back as a rebirth. You're going back to resurrect yourself from the dead. Okay. What does that mean? Well, many people, they think they're, they're a physical body. But, so resurrecting from the dead means the body has to rise out of the grave. <laughs> and that can get kind of gory. But they make horror movies out of that. But no, I understood. Resurrection is rising, raising myself, my consciousness energy, out of the dream, the images, the movie. Right? The conditions. Of the conditions, the, the movie of death, which means the movie of being a body, the illusion that almost every one of us here is in while we're here in the world, that we are this body. Sure, intellectually we can say, no, I'm not the body, I'm spirit. But no, when you're resurrecting, you can't just know that intellectually. You have to be it. You have to be fully awake. Now, Michael's talking to those of you who are really working on those more advanced levels of looking at at death in this way. So it's realizing, oh, this is all part of this whole dream. And I have to become first, become lucid. You know, when you wake up from a night dream in the morning in your bed, well, you're only going from one dream to a different one. You're not fully waking up. But when you go lucid while you're dreaming in your night dream, and you, within that dream, you wake up to the truth that, oh my God, this is just a dream. That's what we have to do here for resurrection, okay? It's not about the body. It's about taking your consciousness out of this dream that we're dreaming all of us collectively are dreaming together okay and just go ah i'm out i woke up that's what buddha said i'm awake so then we have just a little more time i think yes okay so then the fourth time after i came back to start the resurrection process and that's ongoing I'm still doing it. I haven't fully learned the lesson yet. This is a, this is like a postgraduate school. <laughs> it's, it's every single day I'm practicing, I'm working on my lessons. So the fourth time was after I got the ICD and I'm, I get, I think, oh, Raphael still needs half an hour before we leave for our a teaching trip. So I'm going to go take a little jog. <laughs> and I, halfway down the hill, something happens. I go to the light. And I didn't even know. My body just crashed. I got severe road rash on my face and everything, bleeding all over the place. Because I'm out. I'm gone. And when I came back, I realized I'm not what I do or how I do it because part of what got me 
to drop dead that time, but I was brought back by the uh, paramedics in the box, going zap to my heart, restarting it, and I come to on the road, and I'm I'm going, oh, oh, no, I was in a park in Switzerland. <laughs> and I go, oh, yes, okay, I'm pushing myself too hard. How come? Because that was the beginning of recognizing, oh, yeah, this thing I start to learn much earlier after the second death is, oh, yeah, this is the fear of failure, is I have to be better than what I think I am. I have to push myself, work hard, you know, prove that I can do this. I'm capable. I, I'm better than this and all of that. And so I'm working on that, resurrecting my intrinsic worth, the natural, innate worth of the soul from all the worldly actions and judgments that I've been wrapped up in throughout most of my earlier life and many other lifetimes of, yeah, you got to be better. You got to do more. All of that. So that was the fourth one. And I think we have a little more time for the fifth one was uh, similar. I was jogging down the hill and boom, I go out. And when I come to, well, when I was out, it was a very different experience. I went to a place of, again, no time, eternity. But it was this velvety blackness. You know, generally we consider blackness to be bad or negative. But this was this very loving blackness with all these gold speckles. And I'm just, and again, there's no me, just there. And when I came back, that was the beginning of the lesson. The, the zapper zapped me back again. And the lesson was the first initial thought I had was discouragement. And that's rare for me. I mean, I've been dead four times before this. Never got discouraged, even though I knew, yep, on a physical level, I got to start all over and literally learn to be able to walk 10 times in my living room, which isn't that big. <laughs> I mean, that's how physically debilitated I was when I come back. And I need help sometimes, Raphael, to hold me up so I can walk from the front door to the end of the driveway. And when I can do that by myself, then I venture out more, and it's, it's a process that takes time. So I never got discouraged. The time I was, okay. I just have to do this. But this time, it was like, oh, no, not this again. <laughs> and for about maybe 30 seconds to a minute, I was discouraged as I'm getting off of the ground and I'm bleeding all over the place. And I'm going, oh, God, I have to tell Raphael this again. <laughs> and then I realize, no, this is all conditions, all judgments. Let that go and... I realize, oh, what I experienced was the illusion of nothingness. That black, velvety blackness was nothingness. But that too is an illusion, just like everythingness is an illusion. Okay? And so all of a sudden, I had this even greater 
level of freedom. I have to go beyond nothingness and everythingness. That's a whole different experience. And so that started my final aspect of learning and demonstrating and this resurrection process. So for all of you, looking at death or helping somebody else dying, dying is always letting go. Letting go is always some aspect of forgiving. Forgiving is always the result of seeing the truth that what you're holding on to, what you were blaming, suffering for, was not ever true. Dreams are never true. Forgiving is waking up from a dream or an image or movie in your mind. And in spirit being, as it is, there's no pain whatsoever. I'll second that one for sure. Pain comes from resisting and resistance to something. The wanting to separate. So living unconditionally, giving up the conditions, which is really from wanting to separate from whatever and not falling into or believing a judgment and letting that judgment go in favor of living as is and loving regardless. I think we need to continue this conversation in a future show and teach you some tools uh, to work with this energy. Well, we're coming to the end of our show and next Wednesday on Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. Join us for our episode things that go bump in the night, and what to do about them. Remember, tell your friends about our show and share it on social media. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamora. See you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth.